Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside of the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat and the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that, that, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed men, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of the mall. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to preach to you from this thought or from this subject. He said it. He said it. Come on, would you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, um, for today. We thank you for a, a time of worship. We thank you that we can lean in, Lord. We celebrated communion. We remembered you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray right now that as I preach this message, Lord God, that the words um, that escape my lips, Lord, would fall on hearts, on fallow ground, Lord God, that would produce fruit, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would hear exactly what we need to, Lord. As I speak, Lord God, and I say one thing, Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that they would be able to grasp what they need in this moment, Lord God. Father, we thank you for giving your son. We thank you for being the friend that has always given, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? There are, there are a few types of people in this room. There's a few types of people in this room when it comes to driving. And here's what I mean by that. There's, there's some of you guys, um, and I may or may not dislike you or like you. I'm not going to tell you which one I don't like or I do like. But you're driving, and as you're driving, you come up, and there's a yellow arrow that's making to make a left-hand turn. Two types of people in this room. One type of person in this room, you're going to carefully, obediently stay behind the little white line. You know, that white line is there so people can cross, by the way. I don't know if you knew that, but that little white line, and you're going to stay behind it, and you're going to wait. That light is going to turn red, and you're going to stay right there. And you're going to wait for your green light, your turn, to be able to go and turn. If it's blinking, a yellow light that's blinking, you're just going to sit right behind that little white line. That's not meant for me. And you're just going to sit there. And you're obedient. And I love you. You're the type of people that if you miss your turn, you're not going to make an immediate U-turn. You're going to go down the street. You're going to go around. Might go into somebody's yard. Maybe not. Make a U-turn and then come back around. And then there's another group of people. You're the type that you're just waiting for that one gap. It could be, I mean, just 10 feet. I just need one little gap. This is fun for you. 
This is fun for you. The light is flashing yellow. You're like, ah, here we go. It's like hopscotch. Like you're ready to jump in. You know what I mean? You're waiting for that one moment. And then the one moment comes, ah, you're like slashing in front of people. And even, even if the light is yellow and it's blinking, but you know that it turned red and it's about to turn red, you'll take them. Right? It's pink though. It's not red. It's like pink. You're like right in the middle. You're like, I see you, but I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like you're just, you're that type of person. You're the type of person that if you pass your turn, you will make a U-turn on the spot. I miss my turn on the middle of the street. You know how to do three-point turns very well. U-turns are not meant for people's yards or other streets. They're meant on the moment. Glory to God. There's now and forever. You are now type of people. This is, uh, this is, this is kind of where we pick up this story. We got four friends who have found a paralyzed man. Why he was paralyzed or literally how long he had been paralyzed is vague to the scripture. But we have four friends that have said to themselves, we're going to carry these four corners of our friend's mat, his bed. This is where he's been laying paralyzed. This thing has become his story. And these four individuals have gone to a house, a church that was completely slammed, that was packed. They couldn't get in, but they said, that's not what's going to stop us. And they made a way to get into the house. They went up to the top of the house. They dug a hole and they lowered their friend in front of Jesus. These are the type of friends that, man, I want in my life, in areas and in times of my life where I need somebody to carry me. The Bible says that Jesus has been preaching and he's been doing some incredible things. Actually, his ministry had just started and he had just preached the message. And then he comes home to Capernaum. He was staying with, uh, with Peter. And the Bible says that when he goes in there, people hear about him and the entire house starts to get packed. I love... Um, this, this show, and don't judge me, don't judge me, Pastor, you're supposed to already watch that, but I love The Chosen, I just started watching The Chosen a few weeks ago, I'm like hooked, this is like, it's like 12.30, and I'm looking at my wife, I'm like, babe, one more episode, she's like, you know if we watch one more episode, it's a roller coaster, we're just gonna end up, what? like, we ain't read the Bible, like, we don't know every single episode, but there's something about it that, I mean, they illustrate it so well, that they start to take these moments, and I read them in Scripture, that Jesus would show up to places and he says, and the crowds would press upon him and the houses were filled and there were thousands of people. I don't think you quite understand. I don't quite understand the magnitude of what that looked like to have a sea of people everywhere that he went. Here's the truth about it. In your own personal life, this is a, a kingdom principle that I think can be applicable to us. Because in our own personal life, sometimes there feels like there's these empty spaces. And I mean, it feels like there's a void. And maybe you're in that space right now. You just feel like, you know, there's, I don't have purpose, bro. Like I'm working this job all day long and it just, it just feels like a vacuum. It feels like a hole. I, I keep doing this in this area of relationships and it just feels like it's empty. Can I tell you that anywhere that you put Jesus into it, the space immediately gets filled. And so here's my question to you. What are some of these areas that maybe you haven't allowed for Jesus to get in? Because you have a dream that has been laying on a map for a while. It hasn't moved, but you remember it. Oh, I remember that I'm going to do that. You even have began to write notes on stuff and thought about things. And man, one day I'm going to do that. And three years later, you're like, oh my gosh, I remember that I wanted to do that. What's that one thing that if you brought Jesus into it, it will come alive. Not only will it come alive, but it will be filled and fulfilled. I, I believe that this room that was jam-packed with people, the Bible says that four men, they, they grabbed this place because Jesus was in there. So it was filled, filled with peace, filled with love, filled with joy, filled with salvation, filled with healing. There was so much that was happening inside of that building. But on the outside of that building, there was an individual who had been lame. An individual that couldn't walk, that was laying on a bed, he was paralyzed, his future, his destiny. Everything about him was not able to take a step forward because he was lame, he was paralyzed. 
And the Bible says that four friends come and they grab the corners of this thing. In my life, there are times that I am sitting on that mat. And as a pastor, I need people to pick me up. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for you to do, to allow somebody to take you through a season. Uh, yesterday, or sorry, a couple weeks, a couple days ago, my, my birthday was on Friday. Uh, my cash app is Chino. No, um, <laughs> just kidding. I, I don't, those people that are on Facebook, it's my birthday. Um, but on that, on my birthday two years ago, um, my mom was passing away. And so I'm sitting with her at the hospital bed and she's kind of unconscious. She's, they're like, hey, she only got but a little bit of time left. And you know, I, Akuna Matata, I did every prayer that I knew possible. And I was just like, God, this, she's a 76 year old woman that loves you. And so she's yours. And on my birthday, where she gave birth to me, I watched as God was able to take her back. And the next morning at 7 a.m. on November 4th, um, she, was, she, she went to be with Jesus. And I remember spending the birthday with her a couple years ago. And it would seem like it's a sad thing. Man, it was, I knew where she was going. There was an assurance in my heart that I knew that she was going to heaven. I knew that she's with Jesus. Yeah. But it was a hard season. It was a hard season. In that time, though, I was on that mat. And I promise you, I felt like I was just stuck. I felt like I couldn't move. I didn't want to do preach. I didn't want to do none of that stuff. But there were people that came alongside of me and grabbed the corners of my bed. My wife, Jason, Allison, they were friends of mine that were able to grab that bed and help me to lift up. Every time that I looked at the cell phone, it was another text message. Hey, we with you. We love you. I felt the prayers. I needed to be carried in that season. You don't got to do it all by yourself all the time. And I know that you're strong and I know that you got it all figured out. And I know that you've done it and you've gone through things by yourself and you manned up or you womaned up by yourself. But there's a season that comes in your life that you need some people to grab those edges of the bed and lift you up. And not just lift you up, but be creative in the way that they lift you up. Because what works for everybody else might not work for you. You tried the therapy thing. You tried the CBD and the THC. You tried them all and it just, it won't work. There's a season in your life that you got to bring them and you got to come to Jesus. But then there's also dreams and hopes and things that are lying on that mat, as I mentioned, that may seem dormant. And literally, that thing that you've been wanting to do for so long is one conversation away from not only coming to Jesus, but being resurrected, coming alive. A business, a thought, an idea, a creative process. There's something in your life that you've been wanting to open up a daycare. You've been wanting to take care of babies. And all it is is having some people that will actually pick this thing up with you and begin to bring that thing closer to Jesus. But you got to allow for people in that process. Because when you do it by yourself, you're going to sit on that mat stuck for a very, very, very long time. You need friends. Yeah. Friends. Our G groups are coming to an end. You got about two more weeks. Um, but on Tuesdays, our couples, we meet, and I mean, we have a blast. Our men's G group has been one of my favorite men's G groups. As we sit down and we unpack what does it look like to be a real believer, a real disciple of Jesus. If you're a man on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., that's a good spot for you to be. The same thing with our women's G group. Our women's meet right here. Um, and they've been going over the book of John. And I'm, I can't stand them because sometimes I'll be sitting there. The men, we finish. We don't talk too long. We ain't trying to sit there and kumbaya so long. And we stand right at the windows. And the ladies, oh, Lord, we just thank you right now, Father. And they go into prayer. I mean, they're prayer warriors. You feel the Holy Ghost right from the door. But even with the moms, the, the moms with anxious hearts, 
they are sitting there and they're unpacking some real things in their life. Our youth group with Pastor Alex that meets on Wednesdays for those high school and middle school students. Our Jesus freaks. We're talking about martyrs and people who have given their life to the Lord with John Ramonde. I think a, a dangerous Jesus that meets on Thursdays. There's so many different G groups every Sunday. Today at 4 p.m., there's an evangelistic G group that meets right here inside of the sanctuary and they go out into the community and they go out and evangelize every Sunday. All of these G groups are individuals who have actually got together and were watching life come alive, life happen. People come alive in their spirit because they got around a small group. Can I tell you that this, this picture that I read to you in Mark chapter 2, it's a G group. I mean, it looks like a G group. You may call it a small group, a connect group, but can I tell you that this is what it looks like? It looks like a group of people that weren't in church. They were actually in Peter's house. And in Peter's house, they were actually doing relationship and it looked like a church to the point that his house was filled. But it wasn't the traditional sense. They wouldn't go to the temple. They wouldn't go to the synagogue, but they would go to the house. This is what it looks like to be in real community. And this is what we've tried to replicate, what we're trying to do. It's not an idea that we came up with like, oh my God, we're geniuses. We're going to have G groups. G groups are really what we see in scripture. The Bible says, and they went from house to house breaking bread. It takes the big church and it makes it in small doses where you're able to spend time with people and be real with people. Because I think you need friends in your life. I'm going to tell you real quick. Oh my God, I don't got a bunch of time. I'm going to tell you real quick five type of friends that you need. You ready? Number one, you need covenant friends. You need people that are ride or die. These are your covenant friends. There's nothing going to break it. You could get mad at them. They cuss you out. You cuss them out in faith. And hallelujah, I love you. You're my covenant friend. We're not going anywhere. Some of these friends are the ones that you talked to three weeks later or three months ago. And it feels like you literally just been together. Sometimes there's a big gap that elapses and it'll be a year later. I have covenant friends that a year, we text and all that. But all of a sudden now I'll talk to them and it feels like we haven't skipped a beat. These are my covenant friends. These are forever ride or die friends. You need spiritual friends. You need people that are going to pray for you. You need people that are going to intercede for you. People that are going to stand in the gap and be able to speak life to you. But you know that they're praying for you. You know in moments where you feel the weakest, there's somebody that's praying for you. Everybody in this room should have somebody that you spoke to. It might be your grandma, your aunt. It might be a friend. But somebody that you speak to verbally out of your mouth. Hey, can you do me a favor? I need you to pray and intercede for me in this area. And so we need to have people who are praying for us. Number three, this confidence. And these are the ones that not only can you share things with you, hey, look, man, I'm struggling in this area, or hey, here's what's happening in my marriage, or hey, here's what's happening in my business. Confidants, people that you can share with, but you can also share life updates, and they can give you life advice. I'm, there's, I ain't finna, I'm not going to listen to a broke person on how to be rich. And I got broke friends that fall into other categories, but I'm not going to sit here. Hey, you know, if you get this Herbalife, right, all you got to do is I'm not listening to you, bro. We did that already. We broke because of you. So I'm not listening to you, but they serve in other areas. But there's people that you know that you can receive life advice. One of my is Lydia's dad. Like, I love talking to him and I, I try to be careful on when I get it, because when I get it, it's these plethora of like, oh, OK, I got it. And I love to have people in my life that I can get life advice. I love hanging out with Jason Peebles. He's one of those guys that I can sit down and have conversations with. And I'm like, there's life advice. These are confidants. These are people that I can actually get. But not only that, I can share my wins with. You can't share your wins with everybody. There's certain people that I can't tell them that we had over almost 300 people that were here last Sunday for Plus One Sunday. There's some people that will listen to that and they're like, oh, okay, that's awesome. What are you doing? You watered down the gospel, I bet, huh? I bet you watered down the gospel. It's like, bro, shut up. 
We had people that actually cared about lost souls and they invited their friends and we saw countless amounts of salvation of people yeah. coming to Jesus. So there's certain people that you can't share it with, but then there's people that you can share that with. Yo, my boss just gave me a raise. They're not going to get jealous. They're going to be excited about it. You need to have some confidence. Number four, you need to have people who are hospitable. I have, and I, Didi and Juan are my hospitable friends. There are some friends that you just, I mean, they just take care of you. Like grandma, you know what I mean? You go to grandma's house, you ate too much already. But then she's like, no, you're not done here. You look skinny. No, I don't. No, I don't, grandma. I got to go to the gym. No, you don't. You're fine. And so you need somebody who's hospitable. You need friends in your life that are always going to, they're always trying to figure out if you're okay. Hey, let me give you, let me pay for this. Hey, let's go here. Hey, let's do this together. They're always going to take care. You feel taken care of. You feel like you're in love. And then the last one is that you need a hit man. Here, let me explain this because I want to say it. This is, this is uh, Sam Chan, by the way, who, who taught this. But, but Sam Chan said, you need some friends in your life. I'm going to put it like this, but listen to me. Pay attention to me. Peter was Jesus' friend. Peter was one of his 12 disciples. Not only was he part of the 12 disciples, but he was part of his three. Peter, James, and John. This was his inner circle. When Peter was being accused of knowing Jesus... The Bible says that Jesus says some choice words. When Jesus was being arrested, the Bible said that Jesus, I mean, that Peter pulled the sword out. <laughs> he cut somebody's ear off. Let me tell you something. You need a hitman in your life. You need some cussing friends. You need some friends that you could just be real with, that you don't have to have all the glory to God. I'll thank you. Some friends that you could just be yourself with. You need some Peter type of friends. Hey, can I tell you something? This house, it belonged to Peter. This house in Capernaum, this was Peter's house. You know what's crazy about that? The Bible says that all four, you need five of those friends. All four of those brothers, they took the bed and they said they can't go inside. So they went around back and it was like a porch. It was a stairs they took up to the roof. When you go up to the roof, this was an area where people would sit there. And it was also kind of like a little hangout. They would go up there to pray. And it was like a terrace that was on everybody's roof. The Bible says that they went to the top and they began to tear at the clay. They began to tear at the leaves and the branches, everything that made that place. And they were able to create a hole in Peter's house. <laughs> Could you imagine Peter sitting there like, bro. Bro, what, what is it? What are they? You know what I'm saying? And then Peter is like, Jesus is like, Peter, calm down. Don't you, don't do it, Peter. No, Jesus. No, but calm down, Peter, right now. Holy Ghost, right now. Peter, relax. Could you imagine how Peter must have felt? I mean, the, the anger that had rose up inside of him. Desperation will cause you to do some crazy things. Desperation will cause you to do things that will offend others. Desperation will skip lines. Desperation will put you in spaces that you didn't even imagine that you would be in because you just went so hard for a season. But there's a difference between desperation and determination. Most of the world, they live in desperation. You do it when you need to do it. Your mom is coming over for Thanksgiving and you wait till the last minute to clean the house. You wait till the last minute to put all the laundry that you've been having on that ottoman for a few weeks now. You put it away at the last, you're scrounging and everything because you know your mama's nosy. She'll bust in the door, boom. Hey, I just wanted to know, oh, okay. Hey, I just wanted to know if you wanted some breakfast. You'll go in your room. You know everybody respects your room except your mama or your daddy. There's certain people. So you clean up and you do everything, even health-wise. Even in our own personal life, from a health standpoint, some of us, we all operate in desperation. We'll go to the gym, we'll stop eating certain things, but we wait for the doctor to tell us, hey, here's what's happening right now. That is most of the world. 
But there's a select few. These are successful individuals who have found the key to things that become determined. The very same oomph, the very same energy, the very same determination for a person who is desperate, they find themselves outside of desperation being determined and being able to say, my friend might not be go over here. I don't need desperation. In this season, I need to be determined. And for some of us, I'm not shunning or making fun of individuals that you find yourself in a space where you're desperate and you need to go and you need a claw and you got to scratch. God listens to that. But what would it look like if you don't need it right now, but you're still determined to start that business? You're still determined to work on yourself. You're still determined to work on your health, to work on your marriage, to work on your relationship. What would it look like if we weren't people that were just living by desperation, desperation, but we also find ourselves living in a space where we're determined about certain things? The Bible says that Jesus takes this man and he comes down. As I kind of land this thing, they kind of bring him and they put him in the front. And then when they put him in the front, he says to them, my son, your sins are forgiven. Everybody in the building was sitting there thinking, this man is paralyzed. This man can't walk and he's in a bed. This man needs to be healed, meaning he has to get up. There needs to be strength in his legs for him to be able to walk. Yet you're forgiving him of his sins. Everybody in this room was expecting. Remember, this is Jesus who people have gathered to this place because of the miracles that he's performed and now they're watching this man drop down and Jesus performs a miracle that was a forever miracle. If some of y'all remember last Sunday's sermon, a forever miracle, not a now miracle, a forever. He heals him from his sins, meaning that he can have eternal life. He can get up and walk. He can roll around the entire building, but if he's not forgiven of his sins, if he doesn't have salvation, he would die and go to a devil's hell with both legs. But here it is that Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to do the eternal. I'm going to do the forever miracle. And the Bible says that people started to think the religious leaders were in their head and they were thinking, this man is speaking blasphemy. Who can forgive except God? And the Bible says that Jesus understood their thoughts. And then he says, I know you think this, but so that you can know that I am the son of man and that I have the power to forgive sins, I can also help him to be healed. I want to show you something because in your own personal life, sometimes this is where we find ourselves. We are in this place where we have sin in our life. There's things that we've done wrong and we come to Jesus. And for some of us, we've come to Jesus. And I mean, we were more broken than others. And for some of us, there was a struggle with sin. You did a prayer. Somebody prayed for you. You went on a journey. You started to unpack what it really meant to be saved. And you got to this space where the Bible says, I believe Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. And we got to this space where Jesus forgave us of our sins. But it still feels like, I don't know if that's really real. If I'm honest with you, I get it, but I'm still dealing with so much stuff that I'm like, I don't know. Like, did he really forgive me? To the point even that even in your own lifestyle, you still live like if he has to forgive you. And you still fight for his forgiveness and you fight to earn his forgiveness and you walk through everything in life trying to receive God's forgiveness. And when you mess up, you double it up in so many different ways because you know, I know he forgave me, but in the back of his mind, he's always like, hey, I forgive you, but hey, psst, hey, hey, you remember, you remember what I did. If he said he forgave you, he meant he forgave you. The beauty of the gospel is that not only did he speak forgiveness over your life. Jesus says to them, to show you that I am the son of man and that I have the power to forgive sins. I want you to take, get up, 
take your bed and go. And so he did something in the now. He did the forever, but then he did the now in front of everybody. And he does the same thing in your life. In your life, Jesus does the very same thing. When you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there is a sin that is forgiven for. That part, sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? No, what's done, it's already done. Before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain for you. Your sins have been forgiven. But then he does something that he takes it a step further. He puts the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. I want to show you Hebrews. Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, not Hebrews. Uh, Sorry, it is Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. It says, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I'm going to take your sins and I'm not going to remember it no more. Psalms 103, verse 12. It says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Do you know how far the east is from the west? I mean, think about it. That's how far God has removed your sin from you. As far as you can go, that's how far. God has forgotten your sin. But then he takes it a step further. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you got saved, right, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So here it is that you receive Jesus' salvation, but then he takes it a step further. He does the forever, but then he takes it a step further and he does the now. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? It's, it, it's living in you. So not only does he forgive your sins, but he empowers you. Me and my wife, a few, a few years ago, we went... Uh, we went um, on a trip and one of our dear friends were able to give us in Panama City. They have a condo and they let me and my wife go there. We had a blast. It was for our anniversary. Uh, anniversary or birthday? I think it was our anniversary. And I remember that uh, we ended up going to, uh, to go. We, did, we signed up for this thing where you go see dolphins. It's called dolphin watching. And so I thought it was like, oh, this is going to be, I'm sorry, it was swimming with dolphins. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. I'm from Miami, Florida. They put you in the, in the aquarium. You got like a little water tank. You get in there. You know, you swim with the dolphins. There's like a trained professional. Bro, we show up and there was a dude and it was in a boat. And when we get, we, we sit there. The guy was late because I think he wasn't feeling good. And so he got there late. He finally shows up. We're like, okay, what are we doing? He's like, get on the boat. We got a few other people that are going to go with us. We're going to go out there and we're going to swim with the dolphins. I was like, go, but I don't, what, what huh? <laughs> And he's like, okay, just get in the boat, pal. We get in the boat. We start driving. We're driving through the Gulf of Mexico. And we're going out into the water. And then he says, here's what's going to happen, y'all. He says, I'm going to see there's going to be dolphins that are swimming by. And I'm going to tell you, y'all got to be ready. Put your mask on and have your, your, life, your life vest on. And what you're going to do is as soon as I tell you to jump in, you're going to jump into the water. I said, Who? <laughs> He said, you're going to jump in the water. They're going to come by and you're going to be able to see them. Sometimes they'll come and they'll play with you. I was like, bro, what? What are you? Like stray dog dolphins. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like he's like, but I'm sick. I'm not feeling good, so I'm not going to do it. But y'all going to do it. Yo, can you believe that me and Lydia got our mask on and we're at the edge of the boat. And the dude is like, you ready? At the count of three, I want you to jump in when you see them. And you see the dolphins that they're coming. They look like sharks. <laughs> But I'm like, okay. And he said, go, one, two, three, boom. We jump in. My mask is going this way. I'm blind. You know what I mean? Without my glasses, they call me Chino because I can't see. I'm like, I don't know where these people are. I see things going by me and they look like shark. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, bro, what is happening? And Lydia, she gets sick. She starts throwing up. I mean, it just, 
And I'm sitting there, bro. And again, he's like, oh, we're going to go to another side and there's going to be more dolphins. And again, we jump in and I'm like, bro, I'm watching these things go by. And then I sit back and I'm, we, all this craziness happened about 30 minutes. We get in the car, we're going to another place. And I just remember, I was just like, bro, what do we just do right now? Like we literally just jumped in the water with sharks that, that are dolphins. I don't know if that's true. And these things were like these massive, I want you to see a picture. You, you, you put this picture up real quick. You can kind of see it there, but I want you to see that. This is Lydia, she was throwing up. I was taking pictures of her throwing up. But, and I caught one of them guys just kind of coming by. Those things, babe, probably about eight feet. Some of them were like six, like these were big old dolphins. And I don't know if a dolphin gonna come. I've seen them hit people. But we jumped in and we're in the water, treading water, bro, with live animals under our feet going by. And I'm sitting, I'm thinking about, I'm like, yo, why would I even do this? The reason I did it was because that dude told us to. He gave us directions on how to do it. He told us what to do. And we jumped out there with full confidence in what he says. Do you see it? Jesus has spoken words over you. Jesus has spoken salvation over you. Jesus has spoken comfort you. When you were on that bed paralyzed, it wasn't four individuals. It was Jesus that held you. It was Jesus that took you through some of the most worst seasons of your entire life who has been carrying it. And when Jesus tells you, get up, get your mat, get that testimony, that thing that was holding you down, I want you to hold it up in front of the devil. I want him to see how I healed you. I want you to get up, do what's impossible, get your mat. And I want you to go. You need to take another step. You need to continue to move forward on the journey that God called you to do. I don't want you to keep sitting in that same space of depression, anxiety. My God, but Gino, the sins in my life and my past. Listen, get up. I know it's hard. Get up. Get up. Jesus is saying, get up. Don't stay here no more. You need to get up. It's impossible. I've never gotten up before. He said it. He said it. He said for you to try to start that thing. He said for you to start taking those steps. He said to reconcile the marriage. He said to actually step into faith. He said it. Grab that thing. Prance it in front of the enemy. This thing that was holding me, my story, this jail sentence, this disease, this, this infection, this brokenness, this depression, this anxiety. I'm just holding it just so that I want the scars. I want the devil to see how much he has lost because when I grabbed it, I started to go and I started to walk. The Bible says that Jesus turns to this man. He says, I forgive sins, but to show you even more, I'm going to do the now. Get up, grab your mat, and go home. This is, I believe, what Jesus is saying to us in this room today. And for some of us in this place, we, we've been sitting in this space for so long. And it feels like we've just been stuck in this one season. Hey, today I believe that he said it. Here's the word of the Lord. Get up. The word of the Lord today for you is get up. Get your bed. Get that story ready. And I need you to go. You can't stay here anymore. You can't keep living in this space anymore. November 5th, 2023, I believe that is the day that you no longer have to live in that space anymore. Today, the Bible says, Jesus says, that he's come and lo, salvation is at hand. Today, not tomorrow, today, now, God's ready to do it in your life. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. 
If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and